and welcome to Analyze This, the self-help podcast that just can't help itself. I am one of two Hannahs, Hannah Hart, and today we are going to be talking about sound baths, sound medicine, and sound therapies. What's happening with our bodies when we hear certain sounds? Do we just enjoy tones or are we having deeper reactions? Can we have a therapeutic expectation if we use sound as a self-help tool? Well, today I'm joined by psychologist Dr. Marielle Bouquet, who will help answer all of our questions and perhaps pose some more. No, it's a, it's a lot of answers. It's an answers-based podcast. It's great. It's really good. Please enjoy. Enjoy. Hello and welcome. Oh, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> thank you for having me. I'm so excited to dive in with you. I'm so excited too. I feel like this is I feel like this is a topic that people have very um I, okay. I feel like this is a topic that I have a very surface level understanding of. Um mm-hmm. very much like a, you know, a postcard about an experience someone could go have <laughs> that I saw at a nearby cafe. Like that very like surface level understanding of like what a sound bath is. Um mm-hmm. but before we get into that, uh, I want to talk a little bit about um, about you and your history and, and what led you, mm-hmm. I guess, to this work. So, hi, who are mm-hmm. you? Where are you from? Hi. Hi. Hello, hello. Uh, <laughs> so, I'm Dr. Marielle Bouquet. I am a psychologist. I practice from a holistic perspective. Um, and um, I have been practicing more along the lines of holistic medicine in reference to psychology, probably since like 2014 or so. Um, I was, a you know, training, my training is from Columbia University. And there we had created like this beautiful fellowship around what we used to call alternative medicine back Mm -hmm. then, because it was alternative to the traditional ways in which we practice psychology or other types of um, the you know, singular health. lens, singular perspective, yeah. singular ideology that was uh, labeled as the academic approach or the licensed, certified, verified approaches. Yeah, all, which all- is yeah, super antiquated. Does not <laughs> it? Does it doesn't fit the the way that I like to do this work? I like to do it from a place that one listens to the human in front of me and everything that they need globally in mind, body, and spirit. And two, um, I like to, I call it remix, whatever Mm. it is that I've been taught and just like really create and alchemize uh, of something that is founded in what we know works, but also is very tailored to the person that I'm working with. So a lot of my work really centers on, on that. Wow. So I think what I'm hearing you say is that the 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 background that you got from Columbia, which is no small feat, like that's incredible, mm-hmm. you know, um, in terms of studying psychology has helped mm-hmm. inform the energetic, more holistic approach that you can take with someone because it's not like you're just picking up on somebody. You can actually like mm-hmm. pick up on it and be like, okay, well, this is what we know or quote unquote, mm-hmm. this is what we've learned works in terms of psychology in terms of what yeah. manifests for people throughout their lifetime, I suppose. Totally. And I, you know, I had, I was very privileged to have some supervisors back then. One that was like, very like, you know, into everything that just makes the human feel good. And just like, um, if it works like for the, you, I, it works. Yeah. You know, and like, I like to call myself like, I'm a little bit of a, um, 
I don't even know what to call myself. I'm like a person of the earth and I love like to feel grounded. And like, I feel like I, I got a lot of permission to be able to be all of that as a clinician from this supervisor. And wow. so a lot of the, also the work around meditation, mindfulness, um, integrating sound bath meditations into the practice of psychotherapy. Like a lot of that came from this supervisor saying, Hey, you know, I do this. It really works, especially with people that have comorbid, chronic physical and mental health conditions to really settle their bodies. I want to teach you how to do that. And it opened up this whole landscape for me and I've, I've never looked back. So. Well, you used a word that, um, I, that I don't know if everyone listening is familiar with. So co- cor- comorbid or comorbidity, what is, what does that mm-hmm. mean? That means that there are two conditions that are coexisting within one individual. Typically, comorbidity is referenced whenever there is something that's mental health related and physical health related. So it would be like something like diabetes and anxiety. So that would be a comorbidity. Because, you know, yeah. I know something. My, my, uh, Maggie, are you in the room? My little sister has type 1 diabetes. And I'll tell mm. you, talk about comorbidity. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. your blood really has, your body affects you. There she, oh, there yeah. she is. But she yeah. Yeah, no. And you know what's tricky about that? That sometimes a person might feel like they're in a state of panic and really what's happening is that their blood sugar has spiked or, yeah, and, yeah. and so it really takes a lot of body recognition and body awareness and body attunement for them to, to really get, grab an understanding of what is happening right now. Mm-hmm. Is it the sugar? Is it that something has triggered an anxious response? Is it both? And what do I need to attend to? And it seems like such an important aspect of health is that ability, and I don't know if it's 2022 or what, but it really feels like the ability that the only path forward is the is to, as a society really, is to talk about the ability to connect with your body. And mm-hmm. I say this a lot, is that like, uh, the way things are is that they do their best to make it so that you disconnect from your body. You know, Starbucks opens at 4 a.m. You get there, you get your, you just disconnect from your body. As soon as you can turn on the radio, somebody's yelling about something. As soon as you can blah, blah, blah. It's like all these moments, like your phone is a personal entertainment device. Don't think about mm-hmm. how you're feeling at all. So I feel yeah. like um, these, these practices, uh, there's a real room for growth here. So people can mm-hmm. learn that that feeling the connection to your body, though it may be scary, especially if you live with a chronic condition, mm-hmm. um, is yours. It's not anything mm-hmm. to be afraid of. It is you. It's your mm-hmm. body. It's not yeah. the thing that like houses you. You're like one thing. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, you so are. No, it, it, I think it was really beautifully stated. I love how you packaged that <laughs> definition of it. I'm it was, sweating. I'm sweating. <laughs> really well done. That's good work. That's why you're sweating. You're doing good work. I know. Um, <laughs> I, you know, like the the whole like mind body duality and 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 disconnection comes from a very antiquated idea of you know how we exist um, as one control. vessel. Yeah a lot of control and really discounting also the emotions that coincide with, you know, physical experiences because really medicine hasn't really known for a very long time how to even deal with the emotional piece. So if you discount it, you kind of have to do, do anything about it, right. Or deal with it. Um, But now that we are very much in the zeitgeist of, Oh, mind and body are intertwined. They are one. I love how you're talking about ownership because to be frank, I, I don't know if we really have, 
much of an option but to own it because that's the the truth of what how we exist we exist in a mind body that is one even the yeah. words mind body it probably should be like one combined word because that yeah. truly is being who we are. yeah maybe you mm-hmm. know it's like and i mean yeah i'm so yes so <laughs> so I'm right there with you. That's that's exactly how I feel too. Okay, yeah. but let's let's slow let's slow it down just a little bit and and walk it back to what drew you into the study of psychology. Like, did you know you'd be entering into this holistic approach, or was the mm-hmm. supervisor you mentioned the one who introduced it to you? Like, kind of walk us through that. Yeah, no, actually, the the whole psychology thing. To be frank, I like to always say especially after I delved into an understanding of what really led me here, because I've gotten this question quite a lot. And I had to do some, you know, backtracking for myself. And because you've come so far, it's like, it's kind of like, who was I when I started? Oh, that was the beginning of the journey. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes, you know, you kind of get somewhere, you're like, well, how did I get here too? Right? Like, that was also a question. And I've always been, I believe that I've been like a very intuitive child, right? Like I was always that. I was always very attuned to the emotions of the people around me, my community. And I didn't know that mental health was a thing, that psychology was a thing. I never even explored it as a possibility for a career. Actually, I went into advertising as my first career. And I spent a couple years there until I started volunteering and that's not uncommon by the way just like in sorry I'm sorry to interrupt but I just think it's really funny because I I have heard people who um are empathic or people who are have that that vigilance that awareness of people's moods shifting and their emotions Mm -hmm. or their anticipation of needs etc 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 um a blessing and a curse uh (laughs) I, you're not the first person I've heard who said that they started going into advertising. I too wanted to go into like mass communications. I was like, okay, yeah. hey, uh, what do I, do? Uh, I need money. Uh, <laughs> right. Right. It's, it's probably it, it, a part of the reason why I exited that, um, that field, but most of it was motivated really by my own, um, journey into mental health. Like I, I remember like just being so torn about just not wanting to be in advertising, just I, I deposited so much time and energy and mm. it was just really scary. And I remember a colleague telling me, hey, why don't we try like talking to someone about it? And when I did, that person actually told me after a few months of therapy, they're like, I think you'd make a great therapist. You really should do this. Mm. And between volunteering and a lot of mental health centers and then also this person telling me you need to go this route, I just took a plunge. It was super scary. I remember yeah. actually being like a little bit of panic about it um, because I was like, I'm abandoning a secure job base, like so much to go and be this broke college student again for eight years. <laughs> it was so scary, but it was so worth it. I love what I do. And on a birthday a number of years ago, my cousin, uh, who's very much into a lot of the holistic um, practices as I am, she actually gifted me my very first uh, sound bowl, quartz bowl, and with instructions on playing it on the C note for grounding, which coincided well with like my sign. Tauruses are very grounded. The C note is grounding. This could probably play really well for you. And when I when I did and I started diving deeper into it, getting a little bit more training around it, I was like, this is 
where has this been? <laughs> this, <laughs> this is this it. This is it. This yeah, is it. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. Oh, that's yes. Okay. So let's get into it. We're going to explore more of why sound baths, uh, how they work, what they are, and mm-hmm. um, why this particular field really resonated with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. That joke's been made before. Got it. Check. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And we're back. You know, I uh, since you mentioned that you're a Taurus and that the grounding, the C note was grounding and... and the elemental aspects I do feel the need to warn you before we get any further into this that um I am a triple Scorpio so whoa 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 you know I wish my cousin was here with me she would have a lot to say (laughs) you know I know I guess just like I'm just out here in this world man (laughs) like but um no that I love your energy though I mean I think I I see it I see the triple Scorpio I and I, I embrace it. I love it. I hope you embrace it too. It's just so I do, vibrant. I do, I mm-hmm. do. You know, but I always get to that point anytime I like meet somebody who like I can speak a little bit of like this shorthand with. I always mm-hmm. get to the point where they're like, "So what are your blah blah blah? Do you know your moon and your sun?" Da da da. And I'm like, mm, "Yeah, I do." <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> that it's a rare. I I in my world, it's a rarity. I haven't really come across. Really, anyone but I've yourself. D- I, I've double checked it, triple checked it quite a few times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but okay. So let's talk about sound baths and healing. I mean, I could interview mm-hmm. you, just you as a fascinating person all damn mm-hmm. day, but I do want people who maybe don't have access to sound baths or people who live in places where more um, holistic approaches to medicine. I, side note, I also prefer the term holistic than alternative. You know, because mm-hmm. I yeah. hate the implication of the norm or the baseline. We just Absolutely. need to just move away from it. You mm-hmm. know, that's all. Yep. Mm-hmm. We just walk away. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, um, yes. So when we say the term, what what is a sound bath? So a sound bath in and of itself is really uh, how we surround ourselves with the element of sound in order to create vibrations within the body that can um, create these like micro um, settling of the hormones inside of our bodies that can have an impact in both our minds and our bodies. So it has a hormonal impact on whatever hormones are impacting our mind state, Mm -hmm. but also the ways in which they're impacting us at the cellular level in 
in our bodies. So sound medicine, I think whenever we think about sound baths specifically, Mm. the history really comes from Tibetan Buddhist practices and their utilization of a sound bowl, um, typically made of brass, transitioned into um, a number of different materials, but mostly quartz. And um, utilizing those bowls to emit specific sounds that create specific frequencies that, um, as it said, can actually remove blocked energy from mm. our chakra centers. Mm. Now, see, this is usually for people who, um, let's say, maybe are having a, what's a resistance to accepting <laughs> the the universe within our bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, what I, what I like to say is kind of a point of entry is like, you remember in school when you were looking at a cell, you know, and they showed you that drawing of a cell and they gave you a layer like color in the different parts of the cell, you know, mm-hmm. as much as someone uh, believes that exists and understands that exists. And it's like, oh, look, we can see cells. This is us learning about cellular biology, vibrations, harmonics, wavelengths that affect you on the the micro the cellular level um can be shown you know like mm-hmm, you can mm-hmm. if somebody needs to be able to see it with their eyeballs they can see it or whatever i'm just saying mm-hmm. like when we talk about like how things affect deep inside the body i know i've had people ask me in the past like what does that even mean and i'm mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you know what a cell looks like shake it shake it around <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly right and it's so gentle it's such a gentle vibration that uh, i i think also maybe in the more so in the Western world, we're like, you know, if it doesn't have like that quick, immediate um, fix or response, like we may not believe in it as much. For a very long time, we didn't even believe that we actually had um, issues that can exist within our minds, that our minds could be unsettled in some way. Mm. Um, and eventually we were like, we can't see it, but it's real. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's some of it is about just belief in that mm. there can be a possibility of something existing that goes beyond what we can tangibly see. Mm-hmm. And the same goes for these, you know, sound vibrations for sure. You know, it throws my, it blows my mind because there are people that eat meat and reject that. And like, I'm like, so <laughs> you think that humans and animals are different. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So like, but you're not like a sacred spiritual center with the ability to connect to your own consciousness and existence. Mm-hmm. Like what? So like, mm-hmm. but you need it proven like you could prove it to a dog. Like what? I'm so yeah. confused, you know? Yeah. That's yeah, but that's just me. Let's get specific. What notes are used? Like when we, you, I know you mentioned the C note. You know, mm-hmm. um, how did the notes work, and what do they correspond with? Or like, how is sound medicine used in that way? Are they the typical notes that we have in music theory? Yeah, there are sort of right. So the thing about those notes, I think of the piano because the piano is like you you play a key. And it goes and it kind of just continues a bit. Yeah. If if that key and that sound were stronger, it it could possibly create a similar vibration. Because the thing about the sound bowl is that it it's circular, right? So it continues the note until it fades out. But it creates this. If anyone has ever been in the presence of a sound bowl the emission of the the sound is so powerful that you hear the vibrations bouncing off the wall. Um, and even if you s- start playing more than one bowl, you'll hear the actual vibrations 
bouncing off each other. So instead of it being a singular, mm, you'll hear because it'll start vibrating because yeah. it starts making synchronicity with the other sound. Um, and so there are, I like to think of the chakra centers also as coinciding with the meridians that are in our bodies that attach to our organs, which is in essence what the chakra centers are, are help, helping us to absorb as far as knowledge. Like there are certain energetic frequencies that either get blocked or open up and they connect to emotion and they connect to the body. Mm-hmm. And Much like acupuncture. Like acupuncture exactly. is along these same meridians, you know, and mm-hmm. it is just if you want to create a, if you want to release a blockage, you poke it. You know, and so this is like, this is like a way, this is like a deep, deep acupuncture that's just like a bat, like a wave, you know, mm-hmm. or like similarly, question mark? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's a lot of similarities. And of course, you know, um, we're, we're sitting here also talking about the Chinese influence, right? Um, Chinese medicine has a way to look at these meridians from multiple angles that um also is now being absorbed into our culture, the more Western world, but for a very long time was rejected. But we have to think about what came first. We have had sound medicine in most areas of the world, including North America, um, for well over 500 years, which predates a lot of the actual... um, healing tools that we have within westernized modern medicine. So if we think about that, like people have been healing based on sound for way longer than they've been healing based on the apothecary. The, yeah. The, yeah. Like, I mean, or, you and, know, and the pharmacy, mm-hmm, the pharmacy. Yeah. 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 No, so, I, I, I do think that in, and I'm, I'm, Great. I'm trying to be stay positive, you know, triple Scorpio of it all. I'm <laughs> grateful for being able to have these conversations and recognize that it needs to be said that the origin of why these 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 medicines aren't being discovered, they were mm-hmm. taken away. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. that that uh, through colonialism and imperialism and a lot of Western European influences wiping out systems they couldn't control or couldn't explain or couldn't turn into like a patriarchal system of power. Mm -hmm. Um, These these tools are coming back into existence. And that's a real like Mm -hmm. opportunity, like not back into existence, but they, they, you can't take it away. Like there's hope, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. Like I'm glad that we're able to like recognize the reasons why these influences haven't been a part of uh, a modern American culture and re- and move in and, and encourage them, I suppose. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like the, the whole um, bringing them back into light in, in a more pronounced way is definitely still under the undercurrent of colonial practices, right? Because it's being brought back in as, um, something that is being discovered and yeah, some, something is being discovered or like yeah. some real bougie shit. It's mm-hmm. like really like, and, it, and that's again, like limiting and partitioning and taking it away when this is yeah. 
this is a way that, that hum, humanity just exists. It's like you can't, but it goes back to ownership, right? Which yeah, is trying yeah. to, and control. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Man. Yeah. So let I me, believe uh, in honoring, yeah. We got to yeah. honor like the roots of where something comes from and honor the practice and listen to the individuals that are descendants of the individuals that created the actual practice, for sure. For sure, for sure. So as someone who's listening, I'm going to listen more right now. <laughs> um, so uh, can I ask, what question should I ask next? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that, um, you know, some people actually wonder, like, what is happening when we're doing a sound bath? And really, what are the different types? Like, that's also something because I think um, sound medicine there have been like healing circles that use drums as sound medicine and the vibration mm. of the drum is also a way in which the emission of that frequency, um, you know, helps to settle the, the mind and body. So I like always for people to think about sound medicine and sound vibration as being something that's more global and more nuanced than a sound bowl, although you know, I think that the sound bowl is what's being most popularized. Mm. Uh, so that's definitely something. And then, you know, how a person really sits through a sound bath, because I think there is a lot of expectations that could create tension for a person and not allow them to really embrace the experience and open themselves up to it. And I think that tends to happen also with maybe like the cousin of sound baths, which is meditation. Like people come into meditation with a lot of expectations about my mind should be completely settled in an oasis of ease and all of these things that just really set us up for disappointment and mm -hmm. not feeling ease, which is what we're aiming for. So um, it's like if you if you can't if if your mind and your body, like if there's something going on in your mind and body, like that is meditation just tunes you in. But mm -hmm. what is be what's playing might not be great. Like, you know, like you might cry, yeah. you might yeah. feel things, you might move through things or you might feel restlessness. And then just recognize that you're like, wow, mm -hmm. restlessness, 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 and just stay right there. And eventually, you know, you move through it. But I think people come in and they're like, they're still like, ah, like, what is this? What's it going to do? Yeah. What yeah. do I do with a sound bath? Lay down? What's that all about? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or like, I'm not better already. Right. Like the same with meditation. I'm not better already. I'm not, I'm not at ease. And so that, you know, makes a person not return back to the practice. Of and course. man, it's like, it's not about being better. It's just about knowing you exist. Mm -hmm. I love that. Wow. I mean, it so is. It so is. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I, yeah, and it, may, it breaks my heart. So many people want to be better or feel better or do better. And I, and I appreciate these medicinal techniques because I believe that gentleness is a really great form of strength and that you can gently bring yourself into your body. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't yeah. have to be so invasive. Yeah. But I do you know? believe it's a part of the zeitgeist of the times. Like, I, I, I think from my my vantage point, right, being a clinician that's emotion centered, I I can see people really suffering. People are really feeling their emotions, especially after all we've been through in the past two three years, and people want immediate release of what they've 
continue to experience. However, um, part of how we've failed as a society in educating folks around what happens with our emotions is that we've failed by making people believe that, or at least not contesting the idea that people are going to need time to heal. Yeah. If it took two and a half years for you to experience the depth of your emotions inside of a pandemic, it might take two and a half mm. years to get to get mm. through what has been, you know, what's there. If you've been suffering with anxiety for two decades, we may need a little bit of time to actually get through the, the root of this anxiety, right? It doesn't just happen overnight. No, I am grateful for uh, people like yourself bringing these healing practices into, um, into this moment, uh, especially because we hear as like, America specifically as a nation, we've, we've a vast majority of our population is traumatized. It has been through trauma already Mm -hmm. since the moment that they were born Mm -hmm. and many people have experienced trauma. And I think something that, uh, is interesting now is that after the pandemic, you see these people that are like, man, it's like, it's really hard out here. And it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah. It's been hard. <laughs> You're just catching on. However, I do believe that a lot of us really had really sturdy psychological defenses built oh, into for sure. So that we're, we were so good about it before. Like you could literally stay busy for 12, 14 hours a day and never feel your feelings. And you're and when doing, you're combined, and you're doing, you know? Yeah. And now, like, the world is like, hey, you. Uh, there's a crisis out there. So we're sitting down in silence and we're just like going to be here for a while. And people just could not, they're like, well, no tools, no, no tools to cope. No understanding of their home space, your energies, that the chaos that exists that you can so like robotically ignore on your daily Mm -hmm. routine. Like it's Mm -hmm. all there. It's all happening. You know, we're being forced into the depths of their soul. And that it was incredibly scary for a lot of people. And not just that, but also forced into having to have having to be in spaces like homes that maybe they escape with work, right? Where um, the experience is very emotionally um, laden and like built on nervous system overdrive. And it felt like a lot. So all of that broke a lot of people open. And I think that because it did that, people were like, wait, put me back together. What do I do? I... I this is no, I don't like this. So mm. there's a lot of urgency out there. So what is the first thing that you do then? Like, if you meet someone and you feel and you can feel their ur- urgency, like what, I guess, words of comfort, words of hope, words of encouragement, what do you I, say? I do a little bit of that. But my main priority at the outset of my work with someone is the creation of a safety container. I want that person to experience me and the relationship with me as a safe place. I want their full humanity to exist in the space that I'm co-creating with them for healing. And I want them to learn the tools which I teach at the outset of the relationship, learn the tools to actually settle themselves in their bodies, especially in their nervous system. And that's stage one mm. of, of the work. Yeah. 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 It's like, <laughs> cool. Feel safe inside my body. <laughs> Since what? That sounds amazing. No, I'm definitely, yeah. this is, this, this is 
uh, incredible. You mentioned tools that you teach. Um, you know, if you could walk us through, I guess, I guess your practice, like, Mm -hmm. like I've been to acupuncture, um, before and, you know, they like look at my tongue and they're like, look at my eyes and like, okay, so I'm going to do this, this and this. Like when you first, uh, do intake, I mean, to use a clinical Mm -hmm. term, right? Like, Mm -hmm. um, do you mind sharing a little bit about your process, uh, from start to finish, I guess, in doing that experience or what, what harmonic you might play or set of harmonics you might play? Like, is there like a grounding or is it really just you get a read on somebody and, you know, the process, it tends to vary just a little bit with every person because I do get feelers for like, who is this person? What does this human need? You know, and um, there are people that come in with an armor of psychological defenses. And that's sometimes we need that. And I want to, you know, keep that for as long as we need it until we figure out different tools that they can use. And there are people that come in completely broken open and just like spewing out and wanting. So it's like, it's a very mm. tailored process, but. Yeah. Globally, you're, you wouldn't treat someone bleeding out and somebody who's like got an infection. You don't treat people the same way. Like to put it in like really gnarly yeah. medicinal terms. That's like asking <laughs> yeah, a doctor. So when you meet your patient, what do you do? It's like, well, I look at them. <laughs> talk to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know, I, and I think that also helps a person feel like, okay, this person's listening to me. They hear me. They see me. Right. And I think that that's a really important piece of the work. Mm. Um, because if I come in, which is, kind of the way that it's taught with a like a, a script, diagnostic right? like mm-hmm. and that an actual script too like um the diagnostic script is then we take the diagnosis or the perceived diagnoses that we might be finding in a person and we create an, a clinical interview out of that um where we explore history we explore social relationships we explore actual symptomatology like there are, there are a number of things that we've been taught and i up until a year ago, I was working at a hospital, so I did have to operate from a specific framework of working with people. I, I held my private practice, and my private practice is like the complete opposite of how hospitals tend to work. But but we did have like this like twenty page document where we had to fill in details rather than just asking a person like, "Hey, you, what what's bringing you in? T- talk to me. Let yeah. let me know how can." I help you. How can we work together? What's safety mean to you? What has happened? What do you think has brought you in? Just out of genuine curiosity, just starting from that place. And I like to, I call it the sandwich method. There's probably some other term for it that I just don't know. But what I tend to do, and I continue this for as long as I need to with a person, but at the outset of the relationship is that I sandwich the experience. Mm. We start off with something that can regulate their nervous system and help them feel a sense of safety in their body, like that breath that you just took. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here next to a little rosemary. Like yes. Yeah. You know, you didn't, you didn't see all the clapping and huffing and puffing I did to sit down. So, yeah. No, I love it. Yeah. So you but, got it down. I mean, you got your thing. Well, regulation you know? is something that, like, I could not, and, and I really want to get back into what you're saying about what you sit with the person and well, please continue talking about regulation because understanding mm-hmm. that I have been misinterpreting myself this whole time was like game changing for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In that, 
I had been using systems of control to make myself into the person that I needed to be because I could never regulate and be who I am. Mm-hmm. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yes. And it's super common. We kind of have been socialized a little bit to do that. So we sort of do it um, just generally. And um, on top of whatever the- shit actually happened in your life. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. And but that's the thing is that typically people come into session wanting to talk about all the stuff that happened. And although all, all of those things are essential and we will get to those things, when a person tells their narrative, their nervous system registers it and they start feeling really uneasy. And most people don't realize that because they're on autopilot and they're just like going, going, going. So I slow, slow everything down, right? First, I want to know the emotion because a lot of people will tell their story and not insert a single emotion-based word inside of their story. So I want to know, how are you feeling? I want to know where are you feeling it in your body? And I want to know to what extent you're feeling connected to yourself and grounded and like you can put your hands down and you know where you are and you feel the cold beneath you. Or do you feel like you're in a dissociative space and out there in the clouds? Like I want to know that first because all of those things are helping me to understand to what extent you're feeling safe. And from there, I can then integrate what those nervous system regulatory practices might be, whether it be real deep breathing, not the catch a breath and then that's it, but really integrating the breath as a way to really initiate or at least increase that parasympathetic response that we need in order to to help settle the nervous system. We may rock, right? We may Oh hum. yeah. You may roll. Sorry. You may roll. <laughs> <laughs> All the things that, you know, are going to be really helpful in helping a person not feel that energy where they're so restless and they feel like they need to come out of their own skin, but that they can feel like they can sit and feel well in their body. And then we get into the story. Mm. Then the sandwich method is like at the end of session, bringing it back to the nervous system. Okay, we talked about all these things. We processed it. We did the mind stuff. Let's get back into the body. Let's get back into a practice. And let's finalize that way. And sometimes it's a sound bath that I do. Mm. I mean, it's pa- thank you for your powerful work and for being so considerate, um, especially as a healer, especially in a healing practice of not just like opening up the cavity of somebody's chest and then mm-hmm. saying, well, I'll see you later. Yeah. You know? Oof. Oof. Mm-hmm. But that is not, un- not uncommon, you know? Um, But we really need more people who have like not only their own, like people who have real roots to what they're teaching, Mm -hmm. I think will keep people exploring this safe and create that safety that you you spoke of as being such an essential part of the work. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, because the work Mm -hmm. could be so damn great and you could be doing everything right. But if you're not if you're not safe, you can't make something like you're not inviting safety for the other person in the practice. Like they're going to feel it. They're going to pick up on that. They're going to know, you know, I just. Yeah. And then also you used um, using the the discussion discussion of parasympathetic response. Um, Can you explain the term parasympathetic for people who might not understand what it means? It's a great question. Sometimes I, I 
forget that I am like nerding out a little bit and I kind of tend to forget um, that this is an important concept for all of us to understand. And so we have different different ways in which our nervous system responds to stress. The first way in which it responds to stress is that it activates. It says, "Uh oh, there's something there. And I need to prepare for whatever is there because it could pose a threat to my existence, to my mind, to my body. Real quick. Mm -hmm. And your nervous system is your brain that goes into your spine. (laughs) We're taking it back, back. Yeah. We're taking it back, back because that's how badly I want people to understand that you exist you yes. are you know mm-hmm. so yes. yeah so Beautiful. It, yeah yeah so real quick like mm-hmm. your nervous system is yeah we have our central nervous system which is basically our brain and we have a number um of different nerve cells some that are massive and some that are smaller that all um go to different parts of our bodies they go into our major organs Um, they go down our spine into our extremities, our fingers, our toes, everywhere. We have them everywhere. We have some of those nerves that function in a way to actually prepare us for threat, for stress. And then we have others that actually help us to bring down that overactive threat response so that we can enter a state of what we call recovery. Mm. And so the sympathetic response is saying, "Uh oh, there's a threat. I have to prepare for it. The parasympathetic response is saying, hey, the threat has passed. We're good. We can rest and find ease now. Let's be okay. And so you have those two systems. When people are in constant stress, when they're in a state of trauma, when they're in anxiety, like all of these experiences that continue to, to be ongoing, they receive very little rest and recovery. So that parasympathetic response is not as present or starts getting a little bit more fractured because Mm. they're not getting to that place as much. They're always stuck in that initial response of, "Uh uh-oh, 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 all the time. Mm -hmm. And so that is why um, our body Because their body hasn't received the signal to calm down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so um, we're basically doing that work. We're saying, this is how you train your body to receive the signal. You actually do these practices that create a parasympathetic response, the rest and recovery response, so that you can have more of that because that's the way that your body should naturally be. It should be, "Uh uh-oh, something's happening. Okay, it's gone. Uh Uh-oh, something's happening. Okay, it's gone. Not, uh-oh, something's happening all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, this is my Hannah sympathetic response to the just just other, just life and people and just the love mm-hmm. I have in my heart uh, for uh, all God's creatures. Um, we're going to take another, uh, another quick ba- break, mainly so I can catch my breath and sit with that because that is the real, that's the real crux of it if I'm hearing you correctly is that when you're locked in that state that that fight flight state and your receptors are like just burnt out and you're just like whoa 
that though time will pass, though our consciousness will move forward, though your life will grow and change, your body needs to be re needs to be healed or retrained to be yeah. able to accept rest and recovery every day mm-hmm. every, every day. damn day okay mm-hmm. great well we'll be right back <laughs> and we're going to talk about how to do it ah, about some things you could do at home every damn day um so that you could live uh in your life which is great okay we'll be right back If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And we're back. Uh, I can li- you you have a beautiful voice, a wonderful voice, very calming energy. And if it's you know, you you put on your your it's it's working. I'm like, huh, this is great. I feel <laughs> I I feel better than when I started this interview. Um, but I did want to share a couple things. Um, why start learning about the parasympathetic relationship? Mm-hmm. Um. I also started listening to tones or like frequencies. Uh, I, I, when I was younger, I would take my like headphones or like my friend had like the, you know, CD player mm-hmm. and I would yeah. play the same song. Like I would literally blast music in my ears to like fall asleep or like just like play, you know, whatever. And it wasn't even like good music. I mean, it was like the early 2000s. Who knows what I was listening to? <laughs> um, so... But I would like listen to it and it really helped. It just was like, I don't, I don't know. It's just how I used to fall asleep. So during 2020, when we were at home all the time, it, re- it really brought up a lot of physical reminders in my body of being at home all the time as a kid. And so that really brought a lot of stuff to the surface, for surface as a, as a gateway to healing. Um, mm-hmm. and, and instinctually I went towards music again or sound and then I heard about these things called sulfageo frequencies mm-hmm. is what is that like is it like it's not the same it's just in your ears like because the medicine's so important to vibrate literally physically on your body with vibrations mm-hmm. do listening to tones or playing tones digitally have the same effect that's a question they have a, a calming effect for sure. And I think they operate off of, you know, so we have like these certain waves like alpha, beta waves that... Um, Delta, talking about Delta, sleep. yeah. So beta. basically they're, they coincide with our sleeping states. And when we can almost replicate by way of sound the kind of um, experience that we would have a Delta-based experience with the sound, um, it can actually create that relaxation response or the response of like deep, um, it's not exhaustion, but like just like really drawing in the body into feeling like I must rest. And that's what helps us to then, like I listen to them to go to sleep. Mm. And um, But they're probably, 
It's probably more effective, though, if your body has that rest and recovery built in. Mm -hmm. Like, absolutely. Yeah. So, so, However, so we can, you know, um, part of the, the, I guess, more personalized, like less for others, but more for myself training that I've done around my own relaxation responses and sleeping state has been um, through these frequencies and um, what, you know, before when I was doing them, I wasn't really feeling very rested. I was like, you know, in school, high stress environment, right? And this is something that helped me, deeply helped me to relax. And I wholeheartedly believe in it. I mean, I think that we have like enough studies out there trying to help us to understand, okay, what's really happening here. Mm -hmm. But I think from a more personal angle, anyone can just try it and see how they feel, how it functions within their bodies. If it's a thing for them, maybe it's yeah. a sound bath. Maybe it's, you know, um, binaural beats. Maybe it's something else, right? Yeah. It's, it's about, about like trying. What's keying, yeah. Trying it and what's like keying into you. The one that mm -hmm. worked for me that I got, you know, now I do like, I, I put on some tones. I like it with a little musical. It's nice. It's relaxed. It's mm -hmm. good. You know, uh, sometimes I do 777 Hertz, you know, it's a manifesting <laughs> positivity. Um, but I will say, uh, I did. So the, with the binaural beats, I, I did try doing the seven chakras, mm -hmm. uh, with the beats but just straight up, not musical, not set to anything, but just like, mm -hmm. and what was really interesting, and it was while I was meditating, because I was like, I was, I was suffering, you know, I was not in a good way, so I was mm -hmm. like, this is me now, la, you know, um, <laughs> just like trying to reconnect, um, and what I noticed was a consistency with like my response, um, like I found certain tones or certain binaural frequencies allowed me to relax and then I would look and see which one it was I was like oh mm -hmm. throat chakra yeah. okay cool yeah. I'm gonna go listen to some more throat chakra stuff then yep. so that's mm -hmm. that's one way it get, you know kind of entry point I guess and if you as the expert think that's okay it. okay cool I love it that's perfect you know like for some people you know um they may hear certain instruments being integrated into the actual beats um they may hear like a triangle like a ding for example and that may actually feel like it, it can create an unsettling for yeah, them. I was, right? yeah you just did yeah. that and I was like <laughs> like you know if somebody when somebody's like I'm gonna play a little ding I'm like god damn I hate that ding <laughs> that ding it's like I'm like I live in that ding bing right 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 you know <laughs> So, so, you know, it's about, you know, sorting out like what actually works. Okay. The ones that have that integration are not for me. I like just one tone just continuously. And that helps me to bring, you know, to, to, to take my mind into a state of ease. So it's also about, you know, kind of just looking to what is out there and seeing what might work for you, for any individual. Mm, that's, it's, that's beautiful. I, I really, I love this. I, really appreciate you taking time to, to hear my questions. I thank you so much mm -hmm. for listening. I feel like it's so fascinating because, you know, we can listen to things like the waves and the beats and be listening to things still very intentionally, still very like consciously trying to get there mm -hmm. and 
like a sound bath is like your body listening to the room. So it's mm-hmm. like if you grew up in like a, a an abusive environment or a environment that was um, in in areas that weren't safe for you, whether it's in your home or outside of it, like your body gets trained to be aware of its environment. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like this sound bath, sound medicine stuff is such a a fascinating avenue. I personally haven't really explored it. I've actually never done a sound bath. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've listened to I've listened to beats though. Um, mm-hmm. I've never done a sound bath, but I think I'm understanding now that it's the way of letting your body listen to the room mm-hmm. yeah. safely. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. I love the way you frame that. It absolutely is. Just being together with the sound, embracing it as something that can safely come into your body and, and help you rather than, you know, how many things in our environment just, you know, are toxic and not good for us, right? A sound bath is a lot of the opposite. Yeah. It's the opposite of a leaf blower. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Thank you for coming to our episode. The opposite of a leaf blower. An interview with Dr. Maria. Okay. Um, uh, Doctor, what parting words of wisdom or are there any, you know, I care about everyone that listens to this podcast. I, mm-hmm. I really appreciate them. I, I've read somebody say this on a, a comment somewhere that said, man, listening to this podcast once a week is like my little version of church. And I'm like, oh, that's so great. That's cute. That's great. <laughs> so if you're listening and you want to further your path to healing, um, what do you do when you don't feel safe enough to start? Like what's mm-hmm. a safe way to start let's say Mm -hmm. you're listening to this and you're like man i know i got a lot of shit in there yeah it's probably all related to this this and that like look you're right but you don't have to talk about it right away like that what you said about that timeline that chronological narrative putting your body and your nervous system into that awareness tightness state Mm -hmm. um i feel like that's a hindrance people have to healing yeah, or like to, to exploring this work because it's so scary. Mm-hmm. What would you say is a safe way to start? I would definitely say, you know, especially because it can be at our pace and we can be, have an opportunity to be more attuned to the ways in which it might be impacting us. I, I would say looking into what a relaxation response is for a nervous system. We n- named a couple of them here. And just in the solace of your own world, mm. trying them um, with with yourself, someone who you know can be there safely with you. Which I, I, I truly believe we all have higher and wiser selves within us mm. that can you know just come to our aid and just step into that healing framework with us. Um, but I think if a person is looking to then take the next step and go and you know, enter the healing world with another human, um, with whatever practice they may hold, whether they're a therapist or another type of healer. I believe in the empowered clients. I believe in us being able to step into that (laughs) framework um, saying, listen, I heard that these are practices that are essential for my safety. My safety matters to me. 
can we prioritize these within your practice? And can you tell me, you know, how you might integrate them? Going in with that empowered self and asking the questions rather than just passively sitting on someone's couch and just letting them guide you, uh, I think is the way for all of us because um, you're letting someone, which is a, a privilege and an honor that I never take for granted with anybody that works with me, you're letting someone into the depths of your world. And sometimes um, it is essential for us to say, I'll let you into the depths of my world if you create a container for me that is safe and it can look like this. So I would say also, you know, kind of going in with that in mind. Yeah. Yeah. I've, you know, I closed my eyes so many times during this while you're talking and uh, yes. And so mm -hmm. if, if analyze this, the podcast has been your safe container, friends. You, that, that means you can find a way, you have access to the feeling of safety, no matter how impossible it seems. It's mm -hmm. real and it's there. And I love, love and appreciate you reflecting, especially as a clinician, especially as a practitioner, mm -hmm. that appreciation of the empowered client. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like only you know everything and only yes. you will ever know everything you and your body it's all there mm -hmm. and you can you can heal and you have the right to feel safe while doing it yes each yeah. and every one of you every single one of us we should feel that um and you know whatever voice we might be able to muster up to say this is the way that i'd like my healing to look like and can you create that for me I you know I just encourage people to do that yeah healing growth this is the way I'd like my growth to look like yeah. you know mm -hmm. I've never had a relationship I'm beginning to think maybe I should you know whatever mm -hmm. whatever you mm -hmm. want you yeah. know like yeah. maybe if healing's too big a word maybe growth is the word that helps you feel safe so there you go yes Yes. Oh my God. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, I, uh, where can people more, uh, find out more about you, um, your website, your handles, your practice, any works you've created, where yes. can people go and be obsessed with you? <laughs> <laughs> Love the question. So drmarielbouquet.com is definitely a hub for a lot of what I do and some courses that I'm going to start creating around a lot of this work that I mentioned, including sound baths that I'll, that I'll have within them. Um, I also have kind of every social media that's out there, I think, but people can pretty much find me at dr.marielbouquet as the handle. There you go. So on social media, it's uh, Bouquet, but on mm -hmm. the website, it's drmariellebouquet.com. That's D-R-M-A-R-I-E-L-B-U-Q-U-E.com. Yes. Dr. Marielle Bouquet. Wow, mm -hmm. wow, wow, wow. Well, thank you so much for being here. Uh, if you <laughs> want to listen more to analyze this, you can come here every week, blah, 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 blah. But no, this is just, wow, this has just been absolutely incredible. And um, I'm going to go on your website right now and see if I could uh, learn, like, learn more about you and what you do. Because I'm like, yeah, this is great. It's great stuff. Awesome. Great stuff. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Thank Yay. you so much for having me. <laughs> You're awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Takes one to know one. Okay. That's <laughs> okay, that's it.